mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I've never been in a black hole like that in my life. You got kind of cancelled for anything. And if you weren't a part of the trend, your comments were just insane. I was so unfiltered and so raw on my mm. YouTube. Mm. I looked like a shredded 12-year-old. I was going through a breakup. My job was to work out. I was at the gym for three hours, three hours a day. My diet fluctuations started because of my skin and then became about being shredded, having abs or being part of a culture. I definitely got in this spiral of needing to look like the rest of the Fitzbo girls. I lost my period and I look back and I'm like, sis, you weren't eating enough. He kind of said, this baby's going to have no quality of life. I was just preparing myself for the worst case scenario. And then people were like, just confirm or deny, does he have Down syndrome? I'm like, I'm not going to play this game. I was just a shell of a human. What is up, guys, and welcome to this episode of Working Hard, Hardly Working. I'm in Australia still, not actually still when this podcast goes live. I will almost definitely be somewhere way less hot and way less exciting. But I am today recording from Sydney with the one, the only Sarah's Day. This is literally, I told Sarah that this felt like I'd like won a fangirl competition from when I was like 18 because Sarah was one of the first people I followed on social media and got completely and utterly obsessed with her content. She's been through many different iterations as a lot of people who I guess kind of grew up online have, especially within the fitness space where it's been through very very different, very kind of toxic stages. And if you're learning online, I guess you're at the forefront of those toxicities and all of these things. And I really wanted to delve into that with her today to talk about her career, not just the good parts and kind of the success, but as we always do on this podcast, kind of talking about some of the more controversial times, some of the times when actually she's looked back and kind of been like, what the fuck, that was incredibly toxic. That was not something I should have been teaching to people, I guess, but from a point of she was online, she was learning, she was doing her fitness journey and sharing it authentically at the time, which is actually what we ask of creators. I kind of wanted to discuss the complexities of that, how she feels about that and kind of the various stages of her career and what she would look back on and maybe change, what she wouldn't change, the different iterations of the fitness industry. And all in all, this was just like a really honest and open chat. And I'm so glad that Sarah joined me today, especially as she doesn't do many interviews. And actually, we were able to have this kind of conversation. We also spend a lot of time talking about about her journey into motherhood, which she's shared publicly different kind of obstacles she's had along the way, including near HPV, including PCOS, including becoming pregnant when she wasn't expecting it, and including with her second pregnancy where she was advised by doctors to terminate the pregnancy based on a genetic abnormality and talking the whole way about how that's been sharing that online, where she's done it wrong, where she's done it right, where she couldn't foresee having done that any better. And it's just a really honest and open chat. And I think really that's all we can ask for, but it's also 
just so nice to be able to hear it from that perspective and really hear the behind the scenes. And as you know, that's exactly what we kind of try and do on this podcast. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I think it was really, really interesting, but I think you'll really enjoy it. As always, please do rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. It really helps the podcast gain new audiences. It helps the ratings go up. As always, really helpful for my ego and also for us getting better guests on so that we can delve into their careers, the good, the bad and the ugly. Sarah Till, more commonly known as Sarah's Day, is an Australian fitness influencer and YouTuber best known for her fitness, diet and wellness content. While studying to become a teacher, Sarah began her online journey while posting about her hormonal acne online as a way to source advice but also to help others who were struggling with it as well. This expanded into fitness, wellness and lifestyle content and on the date of this recording, Sarah has over 3 million followers across her Instagram and YouTube channels and is the founder of multiple companies including Sarah's Day, a personal brand fitness ebooks and app, Sunny App, her recipe app, the Health Code podcast and the House of Groms, a creative strategy and production company. Sarah has also created products with several global brands, including multiple drops on her own activewear line with White Fox and her own protein and supplement powders with Tropica. Having shared her life online for nearly 10 years, including the birth of her two sons, Sarah has grown up in the digital space and has had a lot of learnings along the way, going from 5am wake-ups and spending hours in the gym each day adhering to an incredibly strict diet, to juggling several businesses and two children. Sarah has seen incredible success from her work online, but of course there have been some sticky moments too. There aren't many recent interviews that Sarah has participated in, so I'm extremely excited and grateful to be able to hear and share both sides of her story with you in this episode today. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. A few disclaimers. For everyone watching from home, we are at the Meta Studios in Sydney, which is very, very exciting. Second disclaimer is I have my phone in my hand. I am not watching TikTok. I find Sarah very interesting. Yeah. Am I boring you? (laughs) I usually have the stuff printed out, but um, I am in Australia and Australia doesn't have printers. Mm, We're just not working here. (laughs) So... I want to go back to the beginning of your career, the beginning of you sharing things online. I know at the time it wasn't necessarily, you didn't necessarily think of it as the beginning of your career. The word influencer wasn't even a thing. This was like 2013, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 2013. And I was just suffering with really bad hormonal acne. Mm -hmm. It was the first thing I thought of when I woke up. It was the last thing I thought of when I went to bed. It was consuming my life. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't look people in the eyes. It was the core focus of my life. And I remember doing different diets or eating different things, just trying every avenue to try to heal my skin. Mm. And people would ask me whether it was like friends or strangers I would meet about what I'm doing to try to fix my skin. So I decided to make this little Instagram to kind of document it because Mm. I was like for me and for maybe an audience. And I would just post like chia seed water and like different scrubs I was using. And eventually I did clear my skin, but I had like 700 followers. Like I never thought about it. And then I think people started asking me like, oh, what do you do you work out? Like, what do you do for fitness? And I was like, okay. So, and this was before Instagram was video. So I would mm. just like post a photo at the <laughs> gym being like, I just did crunches. Like, and that's what I did. And then in terms of the comments, people would ask me really specific questions where I was like, I was so over replying through comments. that I yeah. was like, you know what? I'll do a video. I'll just sit down and do a video. And at the time, I had a little bit of a love for editing. I wanted to be um, a cameraman for the footy show. So I thought this will kind of fulfill my love for film. I can edit it, but then I can also answer the questions easier through like my verbal videos on YouTube. That was 2013, had no idea 
Influencer wasn't a word. It was for fun. It was a hobby. Because that was about two years before I started, and, you, and when I started. Did you start after me? Yeah, I started two thousand. I told everyone like you were the OG. OG. <laughs> I'm the OG. Oh, you're the OG. Stop trying to be me. I remember just watching your vlogs and you were always studying. Yeah. And I was like, stop, stop. <laughs> and then I left uni and you were still at uni. And I was mm. going to comment being like, leave. You need to stop. You need yeah. to leave. I know. Well, I often think that like that was actually one of the main reasons for my YouTube having blown up was the fact that I never got into like the unrelatable like influencer having you know really lo- young living in their own apartment any of those things because totally. I was still in the same room being like totally. writing an essay totally. today I made that focus to not I don't want to name and shame people but there were certain Australian influencers who were super relatable and then their content just became about like buying a Louis Vuitton bag having an Hermes bracelet and I was like I can't relate to you anymore I guess there was an element of consciously trying to maintain relatability but my family to this day are the people who will ground me and say Mm. what are you doing why Mm. are you posting that why are you buying that so I think it's like yeah maybe a little bit of tactic was staying relatable but everyone around me was like remember who you are stop Mm. so I think I'm really lucky in that sense that the people around me kept me grounded and was like remember why you did this Mm. remember why you did YouTube you're trying to help people it's not about you and showing off what you have and what Mm. you can do it's helping others through your mistakes and things you're trying at the very beginning of kind of when you were posting and stuff can you give a little timeline in terms of like when it started getting traction what you were kind of posting about at the time it will never change whether it's Instagram YouTube TikTok whatever Unfortunately, it's always some kind of scandal or some kind of emotional roller coaster will often make you go viral. Mm. And it was not purposeful. I went through a breakup. So I was mm. with my ex-boyfriend for seven years. Yeah. He was a part he was a part of my channel. You remember? <laughs> he was I a remember. part of my channel, but I he, was, well. he was an introvert, right? Which was also really hard because people in the comments still to this day, they're brutal. So Mm. if you have someone who's an introvert on your channel, it comes across as rude. It comes across as that person doesn't like you. That person doesn't want to be around you. It's like, no, they're introverted. And when there's a camera in front of them, they they go inside. So he was an introvert. So it was kind of hard to vlog around him because he didn't really want to be on camera. But anyway, during that breakup, I was so unfiltered and so raw on my Mm. YouTube. And it was the time that cancel culture hadn't really kicked in yet. And I also didn't have the following I have now where everyone who followed me was there for a good reason. Mm. They were there because they liked watching me and they were rooting for me. So I felt safe to be super vulnerable. Mm. I remember the one vlog that people still bring up to this day of, of how they found me was I was sitting in the car, my vlogging camera broke and he worked in tech and he would be the one who would normally fix it. And I sat in the car, I filmed on my phone or something and I just started crying saying, it's the first time that my breakup's hitting me. Anyway, that that kind of scene, I guess, went viral and people started following me about how are you going to get through this breakup? How you've been with this guy for seven years, how are you going to find yourself mm-hmm. and not go off the rails? So that was like a snowball effect. And I, I think I got like 30,000 followers within like two weeks or something. And I was so shocked. I kind of didn't know what to do with it, yeah. but I wanted to maintain my vulnerability. And the rest of the content that you were posting at that time, was that more kind of like, had that already gone into health and fitness beyond the health acne? and fitness? Yeah. So acne was kind of the start. And then when I started opening up about my fitness routine, that got a lot of right. 
you know, a lot of focus and a lot of attention. So I was a health and fitness channel. Like that was my, I think my bio is it. I haven't even changed my YouTube bio in years. It was like health and fitness YouTube channel. And then the more people get to know you, the more they want to know about like, yeah, show it, your family, of show course. your boyfriend. Like, so yeah, it was health and fitness. And to this day, it kind of is, I guess we'll go into that more, mm. but you know, channels evolve, but the core I think will always stay yeah, it's so interesting yeah. because obviously like health and fitness, when you look at influencers, if it's their entire content, obviously it's really, really helpful, mm. but it's also, you know, I, I started my fitness journey following a lot of fitness influencers and I'd be looking at them and I'd be like, how the fuck do you do that? How the fuck do you look like that? All yeah. of this. Yeah. And then I'd also be like, when you really start thinking about it and you're like, okay, but your literal job is to go to the gym. Yes. So of course you look like that. Yeah. And of course you're, and like, no no hate at all I think you know I was in that position at one point yeah. but it's also I think one of the healthier things when people's content revolves around more than that totally if they decide to do that because of course it's no one's duty to be sharing like their personal life or beyond that mm. but I really think that at least it shows a bit more of a rounded view in order for someone to think so I used to get so insecure at like looking at all of these people with the most unbelievable mm. bodies and like mm. having you know even like in terms of actual like lifting what they were lifting all of these different things and mm. it's like but, you know, in terms of their meals, in terms of when they can work out, in terms of all of these things, that is literally their job. Yeah. And so they are able to revolve everything around that yeah. when at the time I was, I don't know, getting up at 5am to be able to do it before yeah. work. Yeah. And then I only had a small amount of time where that was my job. Right. Because at the start I was, when I first started, I was in uni and I mm. was working in retail. What, and what were you studying at uni? Um, primary education. I was in this point when I started... I've kind of jumped around to different things because I never, I just didn't feel like I loved anything. Mm. I was like, yeah, I would be a good teacher because I'm so extroverted and like creative and whatever. But I just, I never found my niche until I started my YouTube channel and I had no idea you could even make money from it, yeah. right? Like I, I felt such purpose getting up every day and filming and I feel like there's such power in knowing your authentic self and what you are so passionate about. Like there's a reason people are passionate about different things mm. and getting up and filming every day. I remember thinking, imagine if this could be my job. Mm. If I ever get in a rut now where I'm resenting filming or resenting YouTube for any reason, I always try to humble myself and think, think how unhappy I was at uni. Think yeah. how unhappy I was at Prac doing teaching. Like this is my job. You are so lucky. Yeah. But in terms of, I guess, health and fitness and showing more of myself, naturally, I'm an oversharer. Mm. All of my friends, all of my family will vouch for this. I will, you ask a question, I will literally tell you what underwear I'm wearing. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it wasn't even like a tactical or strategic yeah. decision to be like, I'm going to open up more. I, I like I'm a hundred or nothing. Like, I relate to that so strongly yes. because I've actually had to when I've made a more conscious decision, which I have to share less online. Yeah. It's like it's actually really hard because I sit down naturally with someone and I will, as you say, like I'll end up like splurging about like a date I went on or like totally. any of these things, and it'll be like I'll tell you what my menstrual you. cycle I'm in. I'm like, what's your discharge like? Let's talk about it. So, and and that's my family. Like my yeah. family, we're super open with mm. everything, like everything. So I find it really hard to be like perfect job for you then. Yeah. Yeah, but with kids, it gets oh, tough. No, I, That's yeah. where it gets tricky. I, no, I can fully imagine. Yeah. And so what time around was this when it blew up with the breakup and kind of your content 2016, started? 2016, I think. Yeah. Tw 2017, I remember as like my pinnacle year. Mm -hmm. I met Kurt, my now husband. I was so sus of him. 
Mm. I was so sus because he was a photographer and I remember telling him I had this idea that I wanted to make this fitness ebook, right? People were asking me, what's your fitness routine? And I could only make so many videos mm. and people would ask the same questions. And I was like, I'm going to make a program yeah. of how I train, right? And he was a PT. He was a photographer. He was like, I believe in you. I believe in your brand. Let me sign off because I'm not a PT. You have to have a PT sign off. He's like, let me look at all your workouts. I'll sign it off and I'll take all the photos. And I was like, what do you want from me? Yeah. Like, this was like a week. You sound into, like a user. <laughs> I, literally, I was like, you're not getting a cut of anything I make. Yeah. So I made him sign a contract. Like this was me. like our second date. Yeah. And he, I, I, I was living in my parents' house. I had no money. I had nothing. And he was like, who do you think you are? Like, yeah. I was acting all late. And I was, I was like, I'm going to be massive. Okay. So I made him sign this contract, which still we talk about. And I'm like, you still get no cut of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Best of You married me. Like, whatever. <laughs> And yeah, I was so sus, but basically he helped me. He took all the photos, he signed off on it all. And I remember I was like, no one's going to buy this. Mm. No one's going to buy this ebook. I, I, I wanted to do this event that I could kind of give back and meet people who were watching me. And I was like, it's going to be so embarrassing. No one's going to come. Right. It was insane. It, it was like a thousand people ended up coming. And at that point I only had a hundred K. Right. Subscribers. That's insane. Insane. And that was worldwide. And yeah. I remember my ex-boyfriend messaged me and we were on good terms. We've always been on good terms. He messaged me and he was working like two blocks up the road in the city. And he said, there are people lining up outside of my work with your face on their shirt. I'm so proud of you. I was like, you want me back? <laughs> was, sorry about it. Sorry, but my <laughs> new boyfriend took the photos. <laughs> but that was the moment that I was like, wow, people yeah. actually care. People are buying my product. It did so much better than I anticipated. Yeah. How much were you selling the ebooks for? $69.99. Right. So $69.99, a thousand people turned up to an event. Yeah. Just for context. No. So that's a fucking, like, that's a lot of money so to be making. My whole family were there wearing yeah. my Sarah's Day t-shirts, like giving out merch. Yeah. And my PayPal crashed because they thought I was doing something illegal because... Yeah. I was a uni student, yeah. right? So I had like $200 in my PayPal account. Right. And, and then suddenly, all of a sudden it was like, whew, so they shut it down, but they didn't tell I me. I this as well. Yes, they shut it down. They didn't, they didn't want to stress me out. So my my team, I used Hello Hello Studio, shout out to them. They made my first ebook for free because they were like, we're trying to get up and running. We'd love to give you exposure. Like we'd love to kind of get, get exposure, exposure off your here, channel. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Now, like we obviously pay them good mm. rates, but... Um, we kind of did a collaboration and they troubleshot because they were like, oh my gosh. But that must have been pain. unbelievable. How did that feel overnight? You not just, not just the traction and like people there, but also I assume that was like a huge amount of money to suddenly hit your account and to kind of be like, oh to my go God. From 40K in debt because of my uni degree, mm. which I did it. I got, what did I get? I got like six weeks into finishing it and I left uni because YouTube got intense to having the money to be able to pay off that debt. It was that sense of, I guess, financial stability for the first time in my yeah. whole life was amazing. What excited me more was genuinely, and I feel fake saying this, but honestly, was seeing everyone's faces and meeting people and meeting girls with hormonal acne and, and them coming with no makeup. That was my high. Of course. Oh, and, 100%. But genuinely, and, and I, I, I remember hearing people say things like that. I'm like, shut up, shut up. You can go buy a car now as if that's not and it wasn't like when that happened, I was like, oh, 
Like, yeah, like this actual cool. human connection. Yeah. And my, my dad was crying, saying, I'm so proud of you. What are you going to do? And, you know, I'm a saver. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I had yeah. nothing to buy. Like I wanted to stay living with Kurt at the time, but we'd had, we had a tiny apartment. We were super happy. Like, I don't need big extravagant things. It was actually shocking how much the money didn't get me going. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's really cool. And I'm really proud of myself. But yeah, it was more that connection sense. And yeah. I only believe people now that it's happened to me. Yeah. You know, like money does not buy happiness. It definitely calms me. Mm. Like financial stability makes me a calmer person, totally. But it, it's not my driving factor. Mm-hmm. Completely understand that. And what happened next in terms of your content, in terms of what you were, your kind of career, what you were creating? 2017 was a time on social media where you got kind of cancelled for anything. There was trends. And if you weren't a part of the trend, you were, your comments were just insane. So my diet fluctuations started because of my skin and Mm -hmm. then became about being shredded, having abs or being part of a culture. Yeah. And, you know, which was very of the time in terms of kind of people, we were very much in that fitspo area, I think is important to say. There was definitely a little bit of a transition more to like lifting weights and stuff. But I would say it was still very much in the like big bowl of colorful fruit phase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, you couldn't be a hybrid, right? Mm. On, On Instagram specifically at the time, you were either a raw vegan who ran and did Pilates or you were, if it fits your macros, mm. and you were lifting heavy. And I, at the time, wanted my feet in both a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to eat fruit and I want to do Pilates, but I also want to train glutes. But at that time, and I think at my age, I wasn't mature enough to be myself yeah. and say, this is what I want to do, take it or leave it. I was conditioned or I conditioned myself even and relied heavily on the comments and I guess the approval of others to say, okay, you're right. I am a raw vegan and I do love running. I hate running, but I I tried that and I would read people's comments saying, yeah, you know, animal products are going to kill you and this and that. And I I would go, yeah, okay, cool. So I would push this vegan train, vegan train, and then my skin would break out. I would see my naturopath. He would really push high fat, high fat paleo. I'd say, okay, cool, high fat paleo. So I would take that and try to help my audience and say, guys, let's go high fat paleo. Let's do resistance training. And I look back now and my enthusiasm and my passion, as much as I was trying to come from a positive space, other people watching it were judging their own eating habits and were leaving my channel feeling negative about themselves Mm -hmm. and comparing themselves to me. And I definitely got in this spiral of needing to look like the rest of the Fitzbo girls to have a place I felt unworthy to have the level of subscribers I did, the level of engagement I did without abs. Like how, how could I be a fitness channel when I didn't have cap shoulders and abs? Or how would I be a health channel if I didn't eat everything organic and I was grain free? Right. So yeah. it was trying to appease all of the different markets. But at the end of the day, I think I look back and I'm like, I was a part of that toxic culture where I was just trying to be too perfect. And it do, it's exhausting. It doesn't yeah. exist. And I think it's really important to look back and to be able to recognise like, oh, actually, I probably promoted something that was quite unhealthy. I was eating but... protein powder on toast. <laughs> a vlog, a recommended vlog came up and it was me. And I was like, I had no eyebrows back then. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> also, also, I lost my period. I lost my period. And... I look back and I'm like, sis, you weren't eating enough. You right. weren't eating enough. And but you it was were probably doing... the time as well that you were looking the most... Shredded. I looked 12 
Okay, yeah. so like whatever you're into, but like I looked like a shredded 12-year-old. I was going through a breakup. My job was to work out. I was at the gym for three hours a day and I only ate protein bread, protein powder, fish, pumpkin. That's it. <laughs> that pumpkin. is it. I didn't have my period, but I was so encapsulated in that life and I thought, I genuinely thought I was being so healthy and so hashtag wellness that I was doing these videos saying, I've lost my period. I don't know why I have amenorrhea. You have amenorrhea because your body's in fight or flight and you're working out for three hours a day. You're not eating enough calories. You're not sleeping enough. You're getting up at 5 a.m. to train. You're going to bed at 2 a.m. because you don't have an editor. You're editing your own vlogs. You know, I look back and I'm like, I just wish I could talk to her and say, go and eat some sourdough. Yeah. Go for a walk. You don't have to do that. It's important for you to look back and be able to say, do you know what, that was unhealthy. And as a result of the fact that I had a platform, I was promoting something unhealthy. Mm. However, the intention behind that kind of comes from the fact that platforms are created and people are put on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah. And And everything you say is gospel, but it's like... I was 22. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm learning like yeah. you. And- so there's a responsibility, of course, from your side and from the platform side. Yeah. It also needs to be recognised that you were learning at the same time in the yeah. same way as like I followed a lot of fitness influencers who it's turned out a year later they've revealed that they had an eating disorder. Yeah, yeah. And sure, that might have then been promoting unhealthy things during that time because they were, mm. promote- they were posting fitness and eating content. But the intention behind it, you yeah. cannot shame someone yeah. for having a disorder of some kind or getting taken off like down a trend or like down some sort of rabbit hole or like the content that blows up is the stuff that's actually probably the unhealthiest of course when you're aware of that then you have a duty but you're also a 22 year old who's trying to get into the gym and also like trying to of course you have a responsibility but also you don't know if you knew in that moment it was unhealthy yeah i'm sure you wouldn't have been doing that why would i yeah it's like why would i vlog this and be like everybody eat like this if it's intentionally different that's that's tough it's Everyone is always evolving, you know, and it's like even you might look back one day on your first business podcast and say, I would never use that yeah. advice now. Like yeah. everyone, and that's fine. But in the moment, you're doing your best. You're you're trying to give, I guess, some helpful advice. The core of my channel was always trying to be vulnerable, mm. give helpful advice. But I Just look back honest. and I'm like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, because I also look back <laughs> at my, like, 20-year-old self online mm. and I'm like, I get it. You found this content entertaining and, like, you guys enjoyed it and all of yeah. this. But, like, why the fuck were you taking advice from, from me? I, and, of course, that's not anyone's know, fault. But it's I also, know. like, it is wild that we platform yeah. 20-year-olds yeah. and then get angry at the fact that they might not give the best advice. I know. Because... Actually, I think that most people, if they look at how they were when they're 20, they're like, fucking glad I didn't have totally. that form, And that's there's no way. Literally, I'm like, if you're the same person now as you were 10 years ago, mm. like something's wrong with you. Mm. Everyone should be evolving all the time. I look back on like my first videos where I would make a cake. Now that I have a cooking app and I've done, you know, so much more research and I work with a chef and I know the ins and outs of ingredients, I look back on that video, I'm like, why would anyone make this cake? It literally doesn't make sense. Mm. Like, there's 20 flowers in here, 20 different stabilizers, 20 different sugars. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it's like, at that time, I was like, this is my healthy cake. Like, yeah. When we look at back at it critically, it's both important from the influencer's point of view, but also it is quite like a... We've... Especially someone like you who actually 
took off in at the beginning of the industry. Mm. There's, I think, for people who are taking off now, they can probably look at the mistakes of others who were a few years yeah. ago and go like, do you know what? I'm actually, and at every age, I think we think we're old enough to give advice and we think totally. we're mature enough. Like, totally. I think now, I think I'm pretty mature. I think, you know, yeah. I think my business advice is probably like quite good from what I've learned. Yeah. And then I actually look at back at myself every year and I'm like, God, I wish you'd known like, this, or I wish you'd known this. Yeah, exactly. And like, honestly, like, I know. do not. But I like reflecting on my own, especially that that whole wellness era. I like reflecting on what I've shared in the past, what I prioritized and heroed in the past, because I'm so much more conscious now, not even in terms of what I share, but how what I fixate or focus on in my life. Mm. And I'm as much as I, I hope it didn't negatively affect people, I'm glad I personally went through it because it's made me such a balanced person now. Yeah. Like I had to be my own guinea pig. It sounds bad, but I had to go through that whole macro accounting, vegan, mm. plant-based, running three-hour gym to get to the point I'm at now because yeah. I've done all of that and it it it's not for me. And yeah. now I'm like, I had to go through that to, to get here. Yeah, and I also assume you're a much better online creator for it because yeah. you're probably like, I've learned this now, but actually maybe in a year I'll feel it's wrong. So Even I'm not going to take as strong a stance yes. in what I'm saying yes. in this moment because yeah. I'm aware that it might, you yeah. know, my opinion might change. Even the whole, like, I'll always say, Different foods work for different people. Different workouts work for different people. This is what I'm doing. I'm never like, you guys need to be doing Pilates and you need to be having a march. Like, right. Whereas back in the day, like I remember like lots of my fitness content was like, macros is the best way yeah. to get your desired body. Like yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. And it's like, I felt that so strongly at the time. And if you'd had held a gun to my head and be like, do you genuinely believe this? Macros. I would have been like, <laughs> yes. Me. Yeah. Um, but like now I could not be further from that and I could not be further from thinking that actually anything that messes up your head is worth it for your body any 100%. of those things but I think that's why it's so important as well both for us to have these retrospective conversations mm -hmm. but also for like it's part of the platform's like responsibility but it's also part of our kind of responsibility as people consuming content too yeah. of course most of the responsibility falls on the creator but like you can't learn things before you learn things and therefore yes. the responsibility does like we all have to be taking things with a pinch of salt like I'm never as obsessed as I used to be with creators right? because I'm like I also know that I'll like get into their content and then in a year I'll be like that's not for me anymore because yeah. it's like take what you need when you need it yeah. and then like on to the next. Yeah. I'd love to know at that time then when did your career change from that point of kind of being mainly health and fitness. I know you were sharing your general life around mm. that. To a vlogging life. Yeah that kind of more. I think dating Kurt. Yeah. Dating an extrovert and someone who was so excited by YouTube and my career and just excited to hang out with me that opened me up a lot more to vlog my relationship and vlog what we were doing in the day and my sisters and my family. So I think that hurt really brought me to a new level of opening up my life. Were you ever worried because you'd been through a public breakup before? Were yeah. you ever worried that that would happen again? No, because at that time, I yeah maybe had 100K. Everyone was there for a genuine you know, supportive reason. So I knew that if something did happen with Kurt and I and we broke up, everyone would be supportive and that's kind of my stance on a lot of things like mm. even in terms of like when I got pregnant I told people really close to me because if something happens I want support like I'm a person who yeah. I need to talk through things so I'd rather overshare so when something maybe goes wrong or doesn't go the right way I can kind of people will know why I'm upset or why yeah. I'm acting different so I'd rather be an open book. And were people always nice about the relationship online? I mean no but <laughs> but, but but I I do this thing 
when you can stare at something and literally kind of like blow your eyes a little yeah, bit? Yeah. I do that with comments. Right. Literally. So with comments, I feel like when I hit a million subscribers, the negativity was exactly Well, because also the, the algorithm reacts so that, because for each person who's interested, they're assuming another set of people who are interested. Yeah. So it's exponential. Well, it's like I hate getting on the trending page of YouTube because mm -hmm. all the comments are like, why is this trending? Yeah. Why is this? I'm like, don't click it. It's called newborn essentials. Mm. <laughs> if you don't have a newborn, this is probably not essential yeah. for you. Like, I've always liked being open and honest and like sharing more because then I feel like people can connect with me better and understand if I'm in a bad mood. Yeah, and there's this really interesting thing I read, a person called Gia, Gia Tolentino, who's this amazing author, and she does a lot of like writing on social media mm. and kind of, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, and I'd highly recommend um, for anyone who hasn't read her stuff to read her stuff. But she talks about this interesting thing called context collapse. So if you talk to your mum about something, you're probably going to talk about it, say if you're telling her a story about like you and Kurt, mm, yeah. like you change the way you say things for each person yeah. to tailor it to the way that they receive it. We put things on the internet and we expect it to have appropriate context collapse for each person who consumes it. Yes. And it's so interesting because you think of, okay, thinking of you having a million subscribers, yeah. you're trying to tell two people the same story and you're telling it differently between two people in your family. Family, so yeah. likely to be pretty similar. Mm. Extrapolating that to a million people Worldwide. and expecting that to be seen yeah. in different cultures, different people, different ages, different lifestyles in the appropriate way you intended this it. It's like therapy. Is actually kind of unbelievable. This is therapeutic <laughs> because now, do you know, like I went through a period specifically with my second pregnancy where I really drew back a little bit on YouTube because I couldn't please everyone. Yeah. And my half of my vlog was spent disclaiming, hey guys, I know that I'm not a doctor and this and that, and I know people go, my whole video was a disclaimer. And half of my subscribers were like, babe, you don't need to disclaim, like we get it, we, we, we're here for you. And then the other half were like, you didn't say X, Y, Z. I'm like, that, that is what I need to hear. It's like, you cannot, yeah. you cannot Take make what everyone... you need, leave what you need as well. Yeah. And like, we have to be able to do that, but it's also expected, like we as creators need to know that it's... Un Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Likely that other people are going to do that when they're consuming it. Like, yeah. of course, but it does apply to when you're sharing your life, any of those stories that you yeah, would tell personally, differently, yeah. you actually cannot target it in the right way, which yeah. I think is really interesting. And I also think, you know how you say about disclaimers, what's really interesting since I've stopped creating content other really than the podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, miss your vlogs. <laughs> yes, 
when you would make mushrooms all the time. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I had so many this morning. But like, because I'm not actively creating as much content, I have lost a lot of that ability to disclaim that I used to have. Mm. Because I talk to people in like the main way I tell stories or any of these things mm. is no longer telling stories to a camera. Mm. It's mm. the kind of relationships I have with people mm. online. I used to be so good at that, mm. and now I kind of assume people are going to do it. And now it's you something, need me to come on. And yeah, I need you to for come you. on and do my little disclaimers for yeah. me. But it's so interesting because actually, when you spend a lot of time in that content creation world, it seems completely impossible not to create a single piece of content without being like, yeah. oh no, can't say this this That's way. That's why I need to take breaks because then you end up making content to appease people and then you reflect and you go, I don't even like this. What am I doing? So it's like you get caught in this rat race and I'm currently kind of, we should have done this interview in a week's time, like in New Year's because uh, before the start of every year, like everyone, you sit down, you do your goals. This is going to be a very pivotal year for me. Like 2023 will be very pivotal and it, it's kind of, I'm in that spot now where I'm kind of taking a step back, looking at my content, thinking, am I doing this because I'm disclaiming and appeasing people or it's because it's what I want to be putting out there? Mm, yeah, I completely, completely understand that. And I'd like to know when you look back, is there anything that stands out to you as something that you would have done differently? No, because I feel like if you're a person and you love where you are and you feel so, I hate the word blessed, but you know, hashtag blessed. I am so content in my life right now with my family, with my job and everything. I get scared if I say, oh, I would have changed this. Would I be here now? I love everything about my life right now. I was saying to my mum the other day, I'm living the best years of my life. As a mum, as a business owner, I'm so content. So I'm like, yeah, do I wish I could kind of go back and not you know, maybe have that toxic reaction with people. Do I wish I didn't do if it fits in macros? Do I wish I didn't do as many ab selfies? Yes, actually. (laughs) That that would be the one. (laughs) I wish I didn't do this as much to the camera. Oh yeah. And like shred my abs and take as many ab photos because I don't think that's positive yeah. and I don't think any audience is going to leave that feeling empowered. Yeah. Everyone sees that and I mean, picks it might be my motivation folder. Yeah, well. so it's like that. But for me personally, mm-hmm. if it's about me, no, because it helped me learn and evolve and I'm not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. But in terms of my audience, yeah, I wish I didn't do that to them. Yeah, and I think contextually like you need to look at the whole industry and everything contextually yeah. when looking at like if you That's look at you my did. content back in the day Tell if me you put you it this. into today's context you'd be like who the hell is this girl but it's also like considering we're all in the same fitness industry at the same time learning the same things we all we all went through I was that a double journey. a holding up my double a's <laughs> like what am i what was i doing i remember if i met kurt and i was like this he was like babe you don't need to do that and i was like oh. i'm not like i'm not even holding up anything i think it's really really interesting and i think it's important to be able to especially because it feels like such a defense mechanism just not to talk about it mm. and just to be mm. like no do you know what I'm not going to talk about like my you know like the part I'm sorry okay yeah, sorry. but like I do think it is really important because I think that it keeps the conversation open and I think it you know with anything super public your mistakes are going to be made publicly yeah. and as you say yeah. your mistakes shape yeah. your and, and, career and your person now and I still will get comments saying you know back in 2017 you said this I'm like Let's sit down and talk about it because, yeah, yeah, I'm not that girl anymore. Yeah, and I don't think like that anymore. And, and like, growth is important. Yes, yes. And and I think the best way we can normalize that is by actually talking about it, which yeah. I think it's so good. Why well, I think it's so good that you do that. I'd like to talk about motherhood because you've been so open about your journey online. Can we go back to when you first found out that you were pregnant? Yeah. 
and what that was like, how you shared that online, what the whole process was like. I, I've always been so excited to be a mother. I I remember you always used to say that always, in your content. Always, like even in primary school, we went around and people were like, I'm gonna be a doctor, I'm gonna be a teacher. I was like, I'm gonna be a mum. I'm gonna be the best mum. I remember saying that, my teacher was like, shut up. So before I got pregnant, Kurt and I were living together and I got told I had PCOS, yeah. polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. My, my blood work showed something, but then my symptoms showed something different. They were like, you have PCOS, but it's weird. But basically, you're not going to get pregnant by yourself whenever you want that. And I was distraught and really upset. I wasn't trying for a baby at all. Like, I didn't want to have a baby then. I think I was like 24 when I got told that. And I wanted to be married and Kurt and I were still dating. Like, it was still yeah. fresh. So I was like, that's really upsetting. And they said, it's fine. You can do IVF. You'll be fine. And that was eating me up inside. I was like, no, like this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just thought, well, I can't get pregnant, right? So like YOLO, you know, I don't care. And I wasn't on the pill for ages because of my acne and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't yeah. have any kind of birth control. And one day I, I my period was overdue and, and I, I was smelling all these weird things. And my boobs were really sore. And Kurt was like, why don't you take a pregnancy test? So I was like, I can't, like that's- How far were you guys into dating? maybe two years mm -hmm. maybe oh and had you spoken about children yeah so like first date Kurt went back to his roommate and said I'm gonna marry that girl and I was like this guy's an f-boy yeah. so I literally was like I don't know if I'm gonna get a second date and then our second date he said he loved me like he's like oh my God. yeah and I thought that was just him but like he is a lover but he was like no I just knew like I just knew you're my wife kind of thing I'm so avoidant I'd run for the hills yeah <laughs> I, I did. I did. We, we went through a phase, maybe like four months into dating, that I tried to break up with him, and he was like, "This is like we're gonna get married." And I was like, "You're freaking crazy, bro." Why did you want to break up with him at that time? That because he was like so lovely. Yeah. I, I think I was self sabotaging. Yeah. I was like, "Why are you so nice? Like yeah. something's wrong." He was so nice, and yeah. I was like, and I kind of liked a bad boy, and he had mm. a bit of a bad boy in him, but I brought out the really nice side of him. Mm. We we were together for two years, and I I took a pregnancy test. And I remember seeing it positive, being so confused. Like, first of all, how the heck is this positive? I got told I could never get pregnant naturally. Number two, this was the phase, and I'm still kind of in this phase. I love watching people's pregnancy announcements. Yeah. And I would always think, when I'm married, when I'm 30, what am I going to do? What am I going to film for it? I remember sitting on the toilet thinking, this is my pregnancy. Should I go get my vlogging camera? <laughs> And I was like in this days and I got my vlogging camera and I sat and I started crying. Yeah. And I remember even looking at my camera thinking, this is so surreal. Yeah. I went out, I bought a onesie to like surprise Kurt. And I was like, I'm making a pregnancy announcement vlog. Yeah. Like, it's like, I guess you're sitting now thinking, imagine tomorrow you're, you're doing like a wedding vlog or something. It's like surreal, you know, like I was, it, it was crazy. Yeah. Then that year, I think that was what, like 2018? That year, I had all of these opportunities. I yeah. was going to go to New Zealand, America. I had everything booked. And I was like, I'm not in a mummy mode. I'm yeah. in business mode. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. done. I, I, Kurt and I talked about it. We said, you know, if we get married, we'll have kids one day, whatever. Let's like dominate. Yeah. The next week, boom. Well, I think it's really interesting too, because I don't know about you. And I think obviously everyone's... Um everyone's kind of experience is very individual. But I always was really, really, really obsessed with the idea of having a family. And then actually over the past few years, while I still definitely do want a family and hope that one day I'll be able to have one, I also, the last few years has been the first time I've even critically thought about like, actually, like 
do I definitely do I want, want children? I think it's programmed into us. Or have I assumed us. that because I'm a woman and we're told growing up that like, you know, when are you going to have babies yeah. and when are you going to get married and all of these things and then kind of being like, oh, I think I do still want that. But actually yeah. assuming like, actually, like every penny I make could go to me. I could move to Costa Rica for totally. a year. I could go and do this. I could go and do this. There would be no, like, totally. I could be entirely selfish, like all yeah. of these different things. Yeah. And I think only in the past few years that I've kind of even critically thought. Mm. And so I can imagine at that time when your career suddenly takes a completely different shape, yeah. I can imagine it would have been really like... And it was a lot to do with my body as well. Like a lot of the opportunities were me being a certain size, having a physique. This is why I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I think maybe if I hadn't got pregnant then by accident, maybe I would have never had kids because I would have really been obsessed with this whirlwind of business and success. And and now being a mum with two boys, I know for myself, that is my happiest. That is my purpose. I love business as well. And I love my content and I love my brand. Mm. But I feel like if, if Fox hadn't happened at the time he happened, I don't know where I would have been. So I'm like, I feel like God did that to be like, you do want this. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, like, I'm going to slip it in. You're going to make it yeah, work. Surprise. Yeah, surprise. Happy birthday. We call him our love baby. Um, but I'm so grateful that he was a love baby because I don't know. I don't know what my plan would have been yeah. because now I don't really have, I'm like a go with the flow kind of person. And did you know that Kurt would be happy when you told him? Yes. What I, if you'd filmed and he'd be like, oh, no, so what are we no. going to do, honey? He was like, he was born to be a dad and yeah. and the vlog prior we had yeah. been like imagine when we have kids and we go snowboarding as a family like he was so excited so I knew he wouldn't believe me because I got told I couldn't have kids yeah but I was never scared about that am I right in thinking from my super fan status that you also had HPV at some point or potential yes potential yes I actually need to go to the gyno about that yes mm-hmm. so I had sin three which is cervical dysplasia stage three which is the most severe stage of that kind of category again I'm not a gynecologist so but yeah so I had sin three that was a really tough time because the next kind of progression of that can be um, cervical cancer so they recommended I get a leap procedure which is basically like a laser I'm pretty sure that they cut a little bit or they burn a little bit of your cervix and was off. this before you had this was before Fox so this was ooh, a few months before and the risks of a leap procedure potentially changes or difficulties with your pregnancy or with giving birth because your cervix is the thing that dilates and opens Mm -hmm. and holds up your baby in your uterus. With the, I guess, approval from my gynecologist, I said, can you give me a certain amount of time to try to see if my body will regress it or I don't want to say heal it naturally, but your body can regress, it can go back. Um, And he said, yep, I'll give you, I think he gave me like three months or something. Mm I did all the research I could. I went to every naturopath, every herbalist. I lived my life to try to fill my body with things that would encourage Mm. a sin three regression. Mm. So when I went back, I was possible low grade. So like maybe some cells, but not high grade. So. And how did you feel about sharing that online? Because I know that's quite controversial to essentially be saying you're going for a more holistic approach rather than going for traditional medicine. Yeah. Well, there's like a chapter written about me in this medical book saying I'm giving bad medical advice. And I'm like, this is where disclaimers are important. You Mm -hmm. know, I am not a doctor. I'm not a gynecologist. I don't want to sit here and say I healed my cervical dysplasia because yeah, who knows if I didn't do the protocol I did, maybe my body would have naturally regressed because it does happen with women. Yeah. So I don't know. But But I guess as a side effect of you have happening to show your life online. I yeah. Guess it does and, share that. But my thing was when I found out I had cervical dysplasia, I was 
consuming any content I could. I went to the library, I was buying books about it. You know, I was watching vlogs with women who had it, maybe recovery stories, people who had healed it, regressed, who had got the LEAP procedure, women who had regretted getting the LEAP procedure. I'm just, you know, at that point, what a 24 year old girl, doing 25 maybe, doing my best, not knowing what to do. And then when I got that amazing news that it had regressed to a possible low grade, not even low grade SIN1, it was possible low grade. Once you have HPV, you have it yeah. and it can it kind of stays dormant in your body and can, you know, ebb and flow. But I was like, I would be doing a disservice, I felt, to my audience, to people who maybe wanted to go down that route, mm -hmm. you know? And I tried my hardest to yeah. do the disclaimer and say, if your gynecologist recommends a leap procedure and says you need to do this, this is dangerous, yeah, go and do it. Go and do it. But my gynecologist was like, yeah, three months. Give it a go. If you come back and it's still high grade, let's do it. And I was like, great. So it's kind of like what you said, the vlog or the video and that information was for a very specific consumer. Mm. And when it's given to other people who maybe should go and get a leap procedure, that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, I don't regret it at all. I disclaimed what I could, but it is awkward territory that mm. I, I still hate talking about like medical things. Mm. And as long as I know I'm coming from the right place and I'm not telling people to boycott the medical system, oh, yeah. or, I'm oh, not, no, I'm like, listen to your doctor. Yeah. My gynecologist said, yeah, go and do your thing, give it a go. I don't have great hopes for you, but like, okay. And it worked. Now I still haven't had my leap. So did you always know that you were going to share your pregnancy online? Yeah. Yeah. And when you started sharing it, how was people's response? I can imagine really excited at the beginning and then I can imagine a lot of advice coming in. So, oh my gosh. Even now the mummy advice, mm. it's like, I don't know. I just try to think from, if, if I get a comment saying you shouldn't be putting your baby down like that, like, let them sleep X, Y, and Z. I just try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and be, you know, play devil's advocate and think they're just a loving mother trying to help me. It does get a little frustrating, but I'm like, I think most of those mummy advice, I have friends who their, their focus and their purpose in life is motherhood. So when they give advice, that's how they show their love. So I kind of just think like that. But I didn't really get a lot of backlash with my pregnancy because I wasn't very... I don't want to say passionate about one way or the other. I was just pretty like, just I'm sharing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm eating healthy and working out. I'm not like hardcore this way or hardcore that way. I wasn't giving advice. I'm just like, I'm doing my best. I was still eating chicken nuggets and yeah. like Easy Mac. Mm. I found it a really, really nice time to vlog because I had the pressure off myself to look a certain way yeah. and pregnancy. That's so interesting. Yeah, it was my favorite. But it's like, as a fitness influencer, felt that you were having a break while pregnant from yeah. looking a certain yeah. way. I think that t says a lot. And even eating a certain way, like I feel like before I was pregnant, I felt that personal pressure to to always be super healthy. And I wanted to be, definitely, but it, it got to the point where I was too obsessed with being super yeah. healthy and getting scared of getting a comment saying, you know, chia seeds are carcinogenic or something. You know, I was like so careful that everything I ate was like health approved. So when I was pregnant, I was like, no one can hate me. I'm pregnant. Yeah. If I'm craving Skittles for dinner, yeah. I'm craving Skittles. Yeah. And that was such a pivotal point for me and my brand mm -hmm. and me as a person because my first pregnancy was a snowball effect of how I live my life now. Yeah. Moderation of everything, not hardcore health, not hardcore sometimes food as we call them in mm -hmm. our house. Like it, it, it reset my digestive system. I was mm -hmm. able to eat gluten again and dairy again and it reset my hormones and it just, pregnancy was the best thing that could have happened to my sense of self and my body. Yeah, no, completely understandable. And 
How was your first kind of foray into motherhood then? I remember sitting down thinking like, is Fox a tough baby or is this, is motherhood yeah. just tough? Fox is just a tough baby. Right. I'm so glad that Fox, he, he had reflux. He was never happy. He was always crying. And I, I loved it, but I remember thinking, how the heck am I going to maintain my channel, maintain my businesses and take time away from him? And, and the mum guilt of your first child is like nothing I could have ever experienced. I couldn't even go to the gym. I would go to the gym and start crying because I felt so guilty. And I think a lot of that is because growing up, my mum's whole purpose was just motherhood. Mm. That is it. We went everywhere with her, which was amazing. But I put her on this pedestal of like, Fox needs to be with me all the time. I can't yeah. have any time out because this is the season of selflessness. And now I look back, I'm like, I love that for my mum. But for me yeah. as an individual, I'm my best self and I'm the best mother when I have 45 minutes to go to Pilates. So now right. I don't feel guilty. Well, it's so interesting because I know as well that there's no way I'll be a good mother if I'm not working. Yeah. I don't think yeah. personally. And having grown up with a working mum who is, I would not say anything like that at all. Like she's, mm. a, she's amazing in mm. so many ways, but it definitely wasn't the, you know, being with all the time, all of this. Like a lot of my childhood was punctuated by like, fine. and I turned out great. <laughs> See, I'm navigating this for the first time because my mum went back to work when we were like, I don't know, like 12, you know? And she only went back two days a week and she mm. was like, nah, I just want to be at home with you guys, which was amazing. Like I had, I had the best childhood. So I'm trying to replicate that and give my boys the best childhood mm. while also honouring my passions and my my skills you know mm. I was born to be this hybrid of a businesswoman but also a really hands-on mum yeah you know yeah that's so interesting as well because it's obviously such a privilege to be in a position where you can do both that like yeah. where you can work from home whether where your children are actually integrated in your work in terms yeah. of being able to share your family like yeah. all of those types of things yeah. but I can imagine that also makes it quite tough because works there all the time. I say to my friends as well who are working mums, I'm like, you really can't be 100% and 100%. You're either 70% good at business, 70% good at being a mum, mm. and that's okay. And I feel like yeah. once I accepted that, I'm like, that's fine. Well, it's like in a, and obviously I'm not a mother, so I have no idea, but in terms of, you know, in a relationship, like I always talk about yeah. the fact that like, there are going to be times where one of you is 90%, one of you is 10%. It needs to be flexible in those ways in order yeah. for the relationship to work because life is not smooth sailing. That should be the smooth sailing thing. Yeah. Like it's accompanying, you know, the rest of your life, but that mm. requires some sort mm. of flexibility mm. and expecting it to always be this kind of 50-50 or 100% great mother, 100% great at work, all of those that's things. That's when you get mum guilt. Yeah. And I think that's the best learning experience for me in terms of my first, you know, raising Fox versus raising Malachi, I was trying to be the best mother who I did sensory play every day. Mm. I did, we did, you know, different rounds of different games. And then I'm also on the phone 24 seven and uploading a vlog every day. And I was burning myself to the ground, feeling guilty when I wasn't with Fox, feeling guilty when I wasn't uploading content. And now I'm like, my, my slogan is, I'm doing my best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I absolutely <laughs> love. And I will also say that the expectation for you to be good at both is only on you because you're a woman. Totally. I think we assume that men can be better fathers when they're providing for their family and at work. And yeah. the fact that we've changed the entire landscape in terms of work and yet still assume that mothers need to be the primary carers, et cetera, et cetera. I said to Kurt, I was like, I was I saying to Kurt, I was like, why don't you be a stay-at-home dad? And he was like, I could never. 
So we, we're very similar. So we tag team. We usually yeah. do half days. So he'll go into the office in the morning and I have the boys and I'll take them to creche. And I love taking them. I love taking them to meetings and the gym and mm -hmm. things like that and showing them my routine because even Fox, you know, now he's like loving his jujitsu and he loves going to swimming and he says, I'm going to go burn some energy. I'm like, great. <laughs> You are yes. your mother's son. Yes. Or he goes, let's go to work and do some work. I'm like, let's do that. Let's. And he'll bring his colouring in and be like, I'm working. I'm like, yes. I love modelling. I love modelling that to him. You know, like that work ethic. I yeah. love that, that, you know, he gets to see that. Yeah, I, I need to have both. I can't. Yeah. I, and I don't want to be at the office all day. Yeah, and I also think it's so important as well that you've show, showed that journey of you trying to be one thing, deciding you might be another thing, all of these different things online. Yeah. Because I can imagine you having said, I was made to be a mother and these children will be my whole life. And then when you're going back to work and you're doing a lot of this, I can imagine some people probably would have said, hey, I thought you said you were going to yeah. be this. Yeah. And it's like... I've never had a child before. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm I'm learning as I go yeah. along and I happen to be sharing, but you have to respect the fact that I am yeah. on this journey yeah. too. And I think even for people who listening who aren't business women or, you know, working, even if you want to go and get your hair done yeah. and get your nails done and do things that maybe are glamorous. Mm. You need you yeah, need to it have doesn't an hour. need to just be something that is productive. making money or productive for yeah. your family in order to be worth your time a hundred percent. And also it, the same as I guess in any relationship, when you lose yourself and you don't prioritize yourself, you are not able to be present in a good way for that other person, for your children, for yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because you are no longer yourself, you are just a vessel by which yeah. to like yeah. and support I, and other people. You even even this, like sitting down and chatting to you, now I'll be so excited to go home yeah. and like you know, it took me my second child to give myself that lax and give myself that time to be like, go to Pilates, mm -hmm. don't feel guilty about it. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. You know? And so if you feel comfortable, can yeah. we talk about your second pregnancy? Yeah. yeah because yeah. you've spoken about it publicly. I'd love you to share what you're kind of comfortable sharing. I know it was a difficult journey yeah. for you. So when you're pregnant, you can kind of, I, I'm, I'm not sure what they call it universally, but it's called the harmony test. It's basically okay. like a genetic testing which we did with Fox. And when you are, number one, a young couple and you're super healthy, like Kurt and I are both healthy and active and fine, we did the testing. It kind of checks for any severe kind of genetic abnormalities. Um, we did it with Fox. They call you, they say, yep, it's all good. You go, yes, sweet. You don't even think about it. So I did it with Malachi. Again, didn't even think about it. It's a blood test. They can pick up your baby's cells in your own blood. So she called me and basically said, do you have a moment to chat? And as soon as she said that, I was like, I can't imagine this the feeling. Isn't normal. And I remember I was sitting in my home office. I had music up. I was like editing. I was in the yeah, best yeah. mood. I, you know, Fox was old enough that it was like motherhood was peaking and my business was peaking and I was pregnant and I was like, woo. And I remember turning off the music and having that self monologue for a split second saying, prepare yourself. I remember the weather. I remember what was on my desk. I remember everything. And the, the worst part of it was, so we weren't going to find out the gender, but with a lot of genetic abnormalities, it's gender specific for of some course, of them. Yeah, yeah. So she said, so with your baby boy, and then I just started crying automatically yeah. because I was like, we weren't meant to like, find we out. Gonna find out. And she went on to tell me um, the genetic testing and that he came up back with an abnormality. I had never heard of this thing before. I was so confused. And I... I was waiting for her to be like, oh, sorry, wrong paperwork, yeah. not you. Or like, but it's going to be fine. But we just wanted fine. to let you know. So she told me and I said, so what do, what can I, what do I take? What do I do? Like, we're going to fix it because it's only, he's, he's a little jelly bean. Like, we're going to fix it. 
And she kind of said like, no, there's nothing you can do. This is him for his life. And from then it was just this roller coaster of, I've never been in a black hole like that in my life. I was just a shell of a human. And and it was so hard that, especially when you're a mum and and your baby comes up and wants to play dress ups and I've just found out this news. And the hardest part of the whole thing was this was during COVID times. So I had to go in to numerous different genetic counselors and specialists in his genetic difference. And I couldn't go with my husband. So I went in and he said, do you know anything about your baby's condition? And by that time it had been like three weeks. So I had like a month to sit on this. Oh my God. Yeah. The anxiety. Yeah. And I'm not going to, and, and so I'm, I'm a Christian. So that was even really hard for me to navigate because obviously Christian morals is life is life. But then I started researching this condition and this difference. And then I was trying to justify in my head, I was like, this is, this is unfair for him. Is it selfish him. or is it selfless? Like, exactly. Is it- I'm like, am I doing him a disservice by bringing him into the world? And this, this, this. And, and I, I called my pastor, like our minister. And, and I, I was searching the Bible for a verse that gave me an out that was like, listen to your gut. And, and I, I basically couldn't find it. I look back now and it was the biggest blessing. This whole experience was the biggest blessing because it definitely grew my faith and I would never be the person I am now and even have the group of friends I have now and be as faithful and God-driven as I am now. I walked into this meeting with this genetic specialist thinking, I want to keep this baby and this is my son and I'm going to have this armor on. And I sat there and he kind of said, you know, this baby's going to have no quality of life. He's going to have this, he's going to have that. And I said, is there any genetic abnormality that you would recommend a mother keep her baby? And he said, none. And I said, that's my decision made. The fact that you can say that no one with Down syndrome is worth having on this earth. No one with any microdeletion in the chromosomes is worth having on this earth. I'm like, your opinion now is irrelevant to me because that's just, I just don't think that's right. So from there, I did my own research of how can I best support this baby? Because with a lot of genetic abnormalities that it's a spectrum they can they can be born with you know x y and z or just a little bit of a you know tweak to this day I've read everything and the reason I'm not saying what he has is because it's not my place yeah you know maybe one day he'll want to talk about it and and it's hard because people say you could be the spokesperson for this condition I'm like I don't have it you don't need to live your life being an example yeah it's more so I and then people say well then why are you talking about it if you're going to give us half details why are you opening up you're just being a pick me girl yeah no that is nosy as no no my thing is like When I found out, again, I went to YouTube. I wanted to see people who had found out maybe negative news from their Harmony test because I wanted to connect with someone because my best friend at the time, her baby was born 10 days before mine. So we were pregnant at the same time. And I felt I couldn't connect with anyone. All my friends were having these healthy, gorgeous babies. And I was pregnant at the time, imagining what my life is going to be like, what my baby's going to look like, what my baby's going to be like. And I was just preparing myself for the worst case scenario. Is he ever going to crawl? Is he ever going to talk? Is is he ever going to make eye contact? And obviously the whole nine months was just spent, you know, praying over him and just researching. And even now I've kind of set up a protocol and, you know, a, a game plan for his life that if we do need special help, then I've got it kind of in place. But people, you would never know. You would never know. He's just the most gorgeous chillest, stunning baby. And and that's what I think as well. And what kind of got me through it is like my mum 
our mums wouldn't have even had that testing available to them. So I would have never known. And to this day, I would never know because he's just a gorgeous, healthy baby. The reason for sharing was just, I guess, to take the guilt off. And sometimes things just happen. You know, yeah. I, I ask the counsellors, I say, what did I do wrong? Did I eat something? And people were like, oh, it's because you're sleeping on a mattress with synthetic fat. No, <laughs> like seriously, I, I nearly got rid of my mattress. <laughs> I nearly got rid of my mattress for like the next baby I want to have. But it, you know, sometimes you need to put your hands in the air and say, I think everything happens for a reason. I feel like God plays a part and, you know, puts you in these situations. And now he's, he's, the, the, he's the joy of our household. So yeah, I just, I just wanted to show people that I, I don't like when people say, oh, Instagram's a highlight reel. Mine's not. You know, I, I get it. I get it. We can choose for our Instagram and our YouTube channels and our TikToks to be a highlight reel, but I make a conscious decision to make mine a well-rounded reel. Yeah. Highlights, lowlights, middle lights, boring lights, pivotal lights. I want people to feel like they can come to my channel, get my authentic self, get my negatives mm. and connect in that way because I felt so alone. Yeah, and whether it's pretty or not, because I can imagine... If you'd shared that and if you hadn't shared that, both would have a huge amount of backlash. Yeah. Like if you're sharing that and as you say, deciding not to disclose everything, people could, especially now that you've had the baby and perhaps like appears that everything's, you know, yeah. how they would yeah. expect all of yeah. these things. I can imagine you have backlash that's like ridiculous accusations. Yeah, when people say, oh, he doesn't look like he had Down syndrome. I'm like, he never did. And then people were like, just confirm or deny, does he have Down syndrome? I'm like, I'm not going to play this game. Yeah, I'm not going to say, right. oh, it's not that. It's yeah. not, keep getting hot, mm. hot, getting hotter, getting hotter. Like we're not playing this but, game. Yeah. We're not playing this game. There is no method or there is no strategy, mm. you know, to telling people this. It was just. And equally, if you hadn't showed it, I, I think people would have had a really big problem. And I also think it would have become like food for gossip in terms yeah. of apparently yeah. Sarah's baby has this yeah. or like apparently yeah. this which I knew it was gonna something mm. would get out because with all of my doctor appointments and all of my midwife appointments and my labor I had to disclose the information because it's a part of his medical mm -hmm. history and it didn't impact my labor or anything but they needed to know that for post-labor things so I was even scared I was like what if one of the midwives says that all the yeah, midwives yeah. are my age so it just takes them to tell their boyfriend to tell yeah, someone yeah. else I'm like I'd rather just you know whatever yeah and you can't efface your entire kind of what you feel emotionally comfortable with what you feel comfortable with sharing what you want the world to know what you feel like it is your right to tell the world about mm. your son when he doesn't have the right to tell like he's mm. not able to tell them yet all mm. of those different things so I can imagine whatever you did in that scenario would not have been I mean, there's a huge amount of support. I know that you get mm. a huge amount of support, mm. as you should. Mm. But I can imagine nothing being tougher than finding out this news, going through this, deciding to share it, thinking yeah. that's the right thing, and also at the same time getting people Backlash. playing games with you and like yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Well, that's the thing. The negative voices are always the loudest in the room, unfortunately. It's like you could have a crowd of people clapping after you've performed, and then you get one boo, and that's what stabs yeah. you, you know? So... I, I kind of went into it. I, I've been on the platform. I've been on social media for over 10 years, knowing that there was going to be backlash. But I was like, I, and, and I was a shell of a human at that point. I couldn't care less. I had no emotion. I was emotionless. I was kind of like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And my priorities were so fixated on yeah. this baby and my family that I was like, whatever. Yeah, my priority is not how I come across. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. If you have something negative to say about that video, you don't know me mm -hmm. and you have not been following me and you don't know 
my what I'm trying to portray here because sure. and, and you'll do your best but like there's always going to be things that don't come across the right yeah, way yeah. and like it is important to make sure you say things in a good way but actually ultimately when it comes to your personal life and the pain that you've been through and yeah. under, like discovering things like this all of this you're processing as it goes exactly. it's not it's not your it's impossible for you to be able to process that, share that, do it, and do it in, in the a media right way. trained way. Do it in a way that's not, you know, for example, I can imagine that it would be really hard to do it in a way that's not derogatory to anyone who's also decided to have their baby who might also have that condition. Exactly. Or, or decided to terminate the pregnancy exactly. or anything. And I of had these to say things. that as well and disclaim and say, if you have been in this position and you decided to not have your baby, that is fine. I was there. Is, yeah. That wasn't right for me, mm -hmm. but there's no judgment, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And you, you cannot live multiple lives and therefore you cannot live the right context for each person, yeah. which I think is incredibly hard. And how have you found it since Malachi was born, having the two best. babies? Oh, the best. Can I just say, anyone freaking out about a baby and like business and all that stuff, zero to one, like no baby and like single Pringle, whatever, to one baby is like the the craziest whirlwind toughest how the heck am i going to do this like my life has changed forever one to two babies pff, just like add another malteser to really? the box yeah yeah one so, but i will say i will say see, i might have another I will dog say, then. malachi <laughs> yeah dogs are freaking hard like my abby's hard malachi is just the cruisiest like i was almost going to bring him because he'd probably just sit there and yeah. just like smile at us he's so chill being a mum is my favorite i need mini breaks because yeah. i need to like recharge and like I need adult stimulation, need to do business. I, I, I get creative ideas all the time and I like to execute them and I'm very reactive. I'm a very reactive person. So I need to be in the office doing something and then coming home. But yeah, anyone who's freaking out, like two, two boys especially, they're very independent. It's the best. You can do it. Well, thank you so much for coming today. This has been thank great. You. I've learned so much. This has been like a, uh, I feel like this is like a super fan experience. Stop. Like, oh, me too. We should have had I some I feel like I won a competition. We should have, <laughs> do you know what we should have done? We should have, do, have you seen Hayley Bieber's Who's in My Bathroom? Yes. Yeah, we should have made like um, mushroom oh, that toast. that would be nice. Mushroom toast and. Next time I'm here or if you're ever in the UK. Yeah, well, my little sister's moving over there. So really? I'm, yeah, she is. Oh my God, come. I'll yeah. make you some mushroom toast. Yes, you thank you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com